0: Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBurge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you.
1: Inspiring you to bring God back into the conversation of the day. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like keto.
0: Good morning. Good morning. It is the 19th of June, 2023. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Mornings with Carmen on the Faith Radio Network. And yes, she's back.
1: She's back.
0: (laughs) Something like that. Paul, uh, that's Paul Perot. He's the producer of this show. He uh, literally, he didn't just hold down the fort. He held up the fort uh, last week. So Paul, thank you so much.
1: You're welcome. I wasn't alone. I mean, Ryan helped out. I mean, it it was a great time
0: it's it's always a um it's always a group effort, so yes. thank you so very much. um I had a great week off, and I'm glad to be back. Good to have you All back. right. thank you our uh today's growing your faith verse of the day because we want to find ourselves in the word of God here on mornings with carmen um so where in the word are you today? love to know you can always text me during the show eight seven seven nine three three two four eight four um i am in psalm thirty four So today's Growing Your Faith, verse of the day, Psalm 34, verses 12 to 14. Does anyone want to live a life that's long and prosperous? Now, this seems like a rhetorical question, does it not? Does anybody want to live a life that's long and prosperous? And we say, yes, and hallelujah, how might I do that? And the psalmist says, well, then keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. So if you want to have a long and prosperous life, um, it matters what passes through your lips. It matters what you speak. It matters um, the truths you tell. It matters what you pursue, good or evil. It matters what you search for and what you work to maintain. Like, If you want a long and prosperous life, these things matter. So is this a psalm, which we think of as, you know, a song or a prayer, or is it a proverb? Doesn't this sound very proverbial? Psalm 34, 12 to 14 sounds very proverbial. It sounds a lot like the proverbs, the wisdom of God, the principles or instructions for a life of flourishing. And so what we have before us today in Psalm 34 is a psalm, but it's a proverb. And it is one that the apostle Peter chooses to quote in its entirety in his first letter. So if you were to read 1 Peter 3, 10 to 12, um, I'm going to prefer to read it in the context of the larger passage, First Peter chapter 3, beginning at verse 8. But in it, you are literally going to hear the entirety of Psalm 34, 12 to 14. So this Old Testament psalm, which is a lot like a proverb, appears in the New Testament in its entirety in First Peter chapter 3. So here's the way Peter um, uses this proverbial psalm for the first listeners um, in the first generation of Christians and how God delivers it unto us today as a part of his word of the New Testament. So from, from Peter, finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing. Because to do this, uh, you were called so that you might inherit a blessing. Again, that uh, long and prosperous life. And then he quotes the psalm. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. And then Peter, now this is outside of the quote from Psalm 34, says, Who's going to harm you if you're eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you're blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened, Peter says, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that is in you. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may ultimately be ashamed of their slander. So where Peter directly quotes from Psalm 34 and then amplifies it, so too does James in James chapter 3. I commend that to your reading today as well. Um, There is a connection between the life we live and the words we speak and the peace we sow um, and the harvest of righteousness that God intends to cultivate in and through us. So let me ask you this. uh, What day is it and what time is it? How would you answer those questions over coffee this morning? That is my question to you today. What day is it and what time is it? We'll talk about that next here on Mornings with Carmen. This is Faith Radio. All right, my friends, what day is it? What day is it? I know. Checks calendar, checks phone. What day is it? What day is it? Um, life can be pretty disorienting, which is why God gives us His Word and His Holy Spirit and the fellowship of the saints to help to reorient us. So maybe you need to get reoriented today. I do. After a week of being off, I got to get reoriented. We ask one another questions and we um, try to gain a sense of orientation right? In a world that is often crooked and literally prides itself on not being straight. Just think about that for a moment. All right, so let's get reoriented today. What day is it and what time is it? These seem like very straightforward questions, right? Remember that guy that like fell asleep and didn't wake up for 100 years? So sometimes we have to reorient ourselves. So what is today? What, what is today? Checks calendar. Monday, June the 19th, 2023. However, I recognize you might be listening to this, and it might be Tuesday the 20th. Wednesday the 21st, right? And right now, as I speak these words, it is, checks clock, uh, 6.12 a.m. Central Time. But you might be listening at 7.12 a.m. Eastern Time, 5.12 a.m. Mountain Time, so on and so forth, or you might be listening literally at any hour, depending on where in the world you are or how in the world you're listening to this, either as a live broadcast or as a recorded podcast. So even a question as seemingly simple as what day is it or what time is it can literally be a complex question today. So today, um, because it's a bit of a complex day, I thought I would spend a moment reminding us what today is. Because today's a national holiday in the United States of America. It is Juneteenth. This is, um, I think, I'm pretty sure only the second year that it has been a an official national holiday. Uh, so just, you know, FYI, the post office is closed today. The banks are closed today. The market's closed today. <laughs> like, it's Juneteenth. It's a federal national holiday. It's been a state holiday in lots of states, Across the country for a number of years, um, and it has been recognized or commemorated in some states across the country for many, many years. So, depending on where you live and where you work, you may or may not know what Juneteenth is or what it commemorates or why um, we acknowledge it. Texas is really the reason that we have Juneteenth. So, hats off to Texas today. Uh, tip of the tip of the hat uh, to Texas today. It is a day of remembrance pointing back to June 19th, 1865. And you say, what happened in Texas on June 19th, 1865 that has now resulted in a national federal holiday called Juneteenth? Well, 2000 Union troops finally arrived at Galveston Bay announcing that the more than 250,000 enslaved African people in the state of Texas we free by executive decree of the president of the United States. Now, if you're saying to yourself, wait just a minute, June 19th, 1865. Hadn't the Civil War been over for at least a few months? I mean, wasn't the Emancipation Proclamation signed on January 1st of 1863? What's going on here? What took so long? News literally didn't travel very fast 150 years ago. I mean, news travels today at literally uh, the speed of light, right, because of um, digital media. But news didn't travel that fast um, 158 years ago. So for those of you who, who still on December the 31st um, have a Freedom's Eve, there's a lot of people listening that don't know what Freedom's Eve is. So Freedom's Eve, um, the eve of January the first, eighteen sixty-three, celebrated as Freedom's Eve by many people, um, first uh first watch night services were held uh in churches across the country. Enslaved and free African Americans gathered in churches and in private homes um, across America on the eve of January the first, eighteen sixty-three awaiting news that the Emancipation Proclamation had actually been signed and taken effect. In the stroke of midnight, prayers were answered. And by decree, all enslaved people in Confederate states were declared legally free. But how would the people affected by that actually hear that good news? Now let that settle in for just a moment. Freedom had come, but not everybody had heard the good news. What does that sound like to you? Freedom had come, but not everyone had heard the good news. President Abraham Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation on January 1st, 1863, announcing, quote, that all persons held as slaves within the rebellious areas are and henceforth shall be free. Now, because you and I recognize that people like to parse words and um, can you hear the problem? Do you hear the problem? with that statement all persons held as slaves within the rebellious areas are and henceforth shall be free well there were some states including Delaware and Kentucky where people were enslaved but those places were not considered rebellious because they didn't join the confederacy (laughs) so Delaware and Kentucky in particular um, still actively um, held people in slavery crazy right there were still also active battles taking place across the South. Union soldiers, many of whom were black, marched onto plantations and across cities in the South, reading small copies of the Emancipation Proclamation, spreading the good news of freedom in the Confederate states. But it was only through the 13th Amendment, ratified in De- on December the 6th of 1865, that's, uh, that's more than two years later, by the way, did, that emancipation and slavery actually ended in the United States. And news did not travel very fast, and some people um, heard the good news and then withheld it from others. Huh. How, what does that sound like? So even though the Emancipation Proclamation was made effective in 1863, it couldn't be implemented in places that were still under Confederate control. And so as a result, um, the westernmost Confederate state, being Texas, uh, had enslaved people until June the 19th of 1865. Juneteenth. That's what we commemorate today. It's a simultaneously tragic and extraordinary day. June the 19th, Juneteenth. So, what day is it and what time is it? You have more than one way of answering that question today. So, as you answer, let freedom ring and let the good news go forth to all people who have yet to hear the saving name of Jesus. All right, when we come back, we're going to consider another question what is God's name? I leave you with that for just a moment. What is God's name? If you want to weigh in, you can always text me 877-933-2484. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show featured on the Faith Radio Network. There is a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share at MyFaithRadio.com. My guess is you spend a fair amount of time on social media. So where do you spend your time? Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. Well, have you followed or liked Faith Radio on those platforms? I would invite you to do so. I'm there as well. If you want to check out uh, my personal pages, you could connect with me individually. We would love to have you Uh, Use the resources that we have produced and are creating and posting on social media for you to share with others. We got all kinds of stuff from graphics to, you know, Bible verses. I don't know. There's all kinds of stuff. Go check it out on your social media. Connect with us on Faith Radio social media. And, you know, let's get the word out to others. All right. Back to the show. Again, thanks for listening. Love connecting with you at MyFaithRadio.com. All righty. We're going to do a few headlines here in just a moment. Um, But I had a question for you. Now, this is a part of the headline uh, conversation. So what is the name of God? What do you what do you call God when you call on God? What do you call him? What is God's name? What is God's name? That's going to we're going to deal with that in just a second. Let me uh, hit a couple of headlines here. That's what we do on Mornings with Carmen. We bring the mind of Christ to bear on the headline news of the day. The goal is to equip you to walk your faith out into the world that God so loves and to do so in ways that honor Jesus. Um, All right, so so here we go. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken landed in China yesterday. He was hoping to, I think, thaw the increasingly chilly relationship between two of the world's great superpowers— United States and uh, and China so he says he wants to make sure that quote uh, the competition that we have with China doesn't veer into conflict so I want you to think about those words competition and conflict. I want you to think about uh, I want you to think about the concepts of superpowers and nation states and why ideas matter and why elections matter. The secretary uh, reportedly plans to meet with President Xi himself. He hopes to discuss areas where Beijing and Washington can work together, including climate change, um, fentanyl specifically, and the global economy. So um, this would not be a meeting in China's eyes of, of equals because Antony Blinken is not the president of the United States. So, It'll be interesting to see if he gets to meet with Xi Jinping himself. However, the fact that the secretary of state has traveled uh, to China to meet with them is a sign of the United States deference to China. Like that's the way China would view that. So, um, there are obviously topics like Taiwan, massive human rights issues, including, um, you know, the, the, the ongoing genocide of the Uyghur people in Western China, um, detained Americans in China. And so, um, this visit by the u s Secretary of State had been planned for uh, February, but that was cancelled because you will remember the whole spy balloon incident so um that's what's going on so let's be praying that uh that peace would be sown and um, and there would be opportunity for the United States to speak in positive productive ways into um, into this reality but but here's the truth of the matter. Um, China is not a God-fearing country. And um, and so let's be praying for the spread of the gospel. Let's be praying for our brothers and sisters in China and fan the flame of the expansion of the gospel. Because nation states rise and fall. The word of God, that stands forever, and we want people to, um, to know him. The Minneapolis Police Department um, got a very bad report card of late. Um, On Friday, the Department of Justice released its report on the Minneapolis Police Department, including a civil investigation that began in April of 2021. You will remember um, the the death of George Floyd at the hands of police officers. So some of the details of the report are quite scathing. And um, the Department of Justice has proposed many reforms to the department. And so In response, the Minneapolis Police Department said they want to create lasting reform, but they also stressed that many of the problem officers are no longer with the department. And so the question is are the problems with individual people? Are the problems systemic? Those are the kinds of questions that you would want to reflect on. And we want there to be just systems. Um, Certainly, we want there to be just individuals, but we want there to be just systems in which we can all operate um, with liberty. All right, now the question that I posed. what is God's name? What is God's name? All right. So let's see. Uh, We've got people weighing in um, on the text line. Um, Lamb of God, creator, Jesus. So many names. So many names. All right. So here we go. On Jeopardy last week. I know you're not watching Jeopardy. That's why I'm bringing you this. Uh, Last week on Jeopardy, three contestants just stood there frozen, frozen. No one pushed the button. No one had an answer to the question. It happened on Tuesday. Um, here was what they were asked. They were asked to complete the line of the Lord's Prayer. Mm-hmm. to so just pause right there for a moment. Three people standing there on Jeopardy. So smarty-pants people were asked to complete a line of the Lord's Prayer. Here was the clue. Matthew 6, 9 says, Our Father, which art in heaven this be thy name. So, you know, in Jeopardy, you're supposed to answer with a question. So um, the answer was hallowed, right? This be thy name, you know, hallowed be thy name. So you say to yourself, um, how does nobody know that? How does nobody know that? Um, Gallup recently reported that only 24% of people in the United States believe that the Bible is the literal word of God. 26% view it as a, quote, book of fables, legends, history, moral precepts recorded by people. Here's one of the most discouraging trends. Fewer Americans um, than ever uh, are reading the Bible. And fewer Americans than ever wish they were reading the Bible more. In one survey... 54% of those surveyed thought the Hunger Games were actually in the Bible. And 34% of people surveyed think Harry Potter might be in the Bible. (sighs) Where in the word are you today? God reveals himself to us through many different names in the Bible. No single name can describe all that God is. God uses a number of names to reveal different parts of his character. Um, And so... Get to know God today and call him by name, Abba, Father, Adonai, Lord, Alpha, Omega, beginning and the end, Ancient of Days, Christ or Messiah, the Anointed One, El Elyon, God Most High, El Olam, Everlasting God, El Roy, the God who sees. Call him by name, El Shaddai, God Almighty, Elohim, the Creator, Emmanuel, God with us. Call him Jehovah, Yahweh, the self-existent one, the one who is. Call him Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, our provider. Jehovah Nissi, the Lord, our banner. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, our healer. Jehovah Rohi, the Lord, our shepherd. Call him Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord of peace. Call him Jesus, the Lord saves. Call him Logos, the word. Call him Father, who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Call on the name of the Lord this day. He knows you. Do you want to know Him? Let's take a moment to go upwards with Max Lucado. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. All righty. Um. Yeah, our friend Daniel Bennett is going to join us in just a moment. Uh, We have a lot going on in our in our country. We have a lot of concerns before us as we the people. And we're going to talk a little bit about um, comfort in the midst of the uncomfortable. We're also going to talk about the indictment of the former president of the United States and what demands that places on us as believers in the culture. How do we walk our faith out into the world that God so loves and do so in ways that honor Jesus when the temperature is so high um, and things are uh, and the rhetoric is so hot and the people around us um, have already formed um, not just an opinion about what is going on. They're not even necessarily open to information or facts like people are pretty, um, you know, they're pretty committed to their positions And they're almost immediately defensive. So how do we function in the midst of that? How do we be people who actually care about the truth and care about justice and care about the future of our country um, and care about uh, one another and recognize the times in which we live? Like, How do you do all of that in the midst of, well, things like the unprecedented indictment of a former president on federal charges. Like, how do you function? How now shall we live? How now shall we live is actually the question of every Christian generation. And this happens to be um, the particular time that God has ordained that you and I should be his witnesses. So as we seek to be his witnesses to the ends of the earth, let's figure out how we're going to witness in the midst of all of this. Daniel Bennett joins us next. Joining us now, Daniel Bennett. You can find him at John Brown University and the Uneasy Citizenship blog. He's got a Substack. You should follow Daniel Bennett. Good morning, Daniel. Morning, Carmen. Okay, so um, the former president of the United States is facing federal uh, charges, and we haven't spent a lot of time unpacking this. So could maybe you help us differentiate how this indictment or these indictments are different from the state charges that the former president faces in New York and might face elsewhere?
1: Sure, yeah. So there are a lot of ongoing uh, investigations into, into the former president. Uh, listeners may be familiar with the New York charges that were brought earlier this year involving the uh, misclassified uh, payments to uh, the, the woman he allegedly had an affair with, I guess, you know, had an affair with, but then allegedly uh, paid for her silence during the campaign. And those charges in New York stem from whether or not the, the payment was essentially laundered uh, through, the, through the campaign apparatus or the business apparatus, I should say, and, and then mislabeled. It, it's a, it's a white collar uh, offense in New York. Um, those charges have been criticized by, by folks on both the left and the right, uh, maybe not so much on the left, actually. Maybe the never-Trump folks and the pro-Trump folks. Um, David French has a really good legal analysis of it where uh, he said this isn't a good legal theory or strategy. The the, the recent federal charges are, are more serious, um, and they involve the, the mishandling and collection of classified documents at, at Mar-a-Lago, uh, Florida, Trump's estate down there. Um, documents he allegedly took with him from the White House— uh, and uh, when he was informed they needed to bring them back because of classification records and the sensitive nature of some of the documents, he allegedly stonewalled, obstructed, uh, essentially instructed a couple of aides not to return them. Um, so these are more serious charges. Uh, they they carry with them some pretty significant uh, prison sentences if they were to be, you know, sentenced to the maximum, which would be unlikely. Um, certainly for a former president, but uh, even in any case like this. So these charges are more serious than the New York case. And then there's, of course, the ongoing investigation in Georgia, the uh, question of whether Trump tried to influence, uh, illegally influence the counting of votes uh, following the 2020 election down there.
0: I've heard this described as um, potentially the biggest stress test that the American justice uh, system has, um, has ever faced. I also think this is a stress test, for us as Christians, in terms of how we engage in the conversations of the day, um, the allegations are many. Um, I think that you can you can spend a lot of time. We could spend a lot of time talking about, um, you know, what's in the pictures in the uh, in the unsealed indictment. We could talk about the fact that you know there are photographs in the indictment, which is unusual. Seems unusual to me, but apparently not unusual today um, in federal prosecutions. Um, we could talk about why it matters. I think where we could maybe serve one another best is to instead talk about a a distinctively Christian response. And the word posture is one that you use in your Christianity Today piece um, at ChristianityToday.com. You guys can read Daniel Bennett's entire piece on this topic. Um, As Christians, I'm going to read a sentence here because i mm. they're all all the sentences are good but let's let's start <laughs> with this one as christians we must adopt a posture of humility and consistency when reacting to the failings legal moral or otherwise of our political leaders along with the recognition that people on quote our team can be as flawed as those on the quote other side talk with us about the posture of humility and consistency
1: yeah, thank you. Um, so this, this idea of posture is something I, I talk a lot about in, in the Uneasy Citizenship book that should be coming out here in the next uh, several months. But it's this notion that uh, essentially how we carry ourselves and how we react to the news of the day, uh, the political developments of our moment matter just as much as uh, our victories or defeats Um in that, in that arena. And so what, what this looks like in this instance, talking about humility and consistency, these are things that are often lacking in contemporary politics. Certainly humility requires a sense of uh, a lack of self-importance or a sense that I may not be completely right about this, or I may be, uh, I may be wrong in in a circumstance. Um, Inconsistency is uncomfortable because it requires us to apply the same rules and metrics uh, to stories and developments that uh, fit our narratives and uh, confirm our prior assumptions as well as uh, those that don't. And so in this example, I think this I think your example or I think your language about this being a stress test is exactly right. For us, as, as Christians, you know, if we if we are prone to support Donald Trump's candidacy in 2024, or certainly supported him in 2016 or 20, our visceral, our gut response to this is something that we're going to have to check almost immediately. If the re- if the reaction is to essentially wave this away or jump to, but what about the? The mishandling of emails from Hillary Clinton, or the unethical and potentially illegal behavior from Hunter Biden, and the fact that he hasn't been charged with crimes yet—is uh, his father stepping in, etc.? Those are all; imp- these are important questions, right? And 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 uh, hopefully there'll be a time to li- to litigate that and discuss that. But that doesn't diminish the the seriousness of this situation. If our gut reaction is to immediately without looking at evidence or without digging in to dismiss it and then look for reasons why later, I think that not only is it, I think, just bad uh, toxic politics, but it's not the mind of Christ, right? He, it's not, he was not a defensive uh, person as characterized in, in the New Testament, right? He wasn't looking for uh, loopholes or he wasn't looking for, you uh, out, right? He spoke with he, he spoke with uh, courage, and he spoke with mm-hmm. with truth. And these are things we have to be looking for.
0: this This conversation about posture, um, how we carry ourselves, how we present ourselves. Um, so Peter actually talks about this. First Peter five five. This was the subject matter of my pastor's sermon yesterday, so it literally is on my heart and mind this morning. Um, This clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Um, The posture of a disciple literally putting on a garment of humility, like literally um, putting humility on, covering ourselves with humility toward one another. Um, And then recognizing that I, I don't want, I don't, I don't want to set myself up in a posture contrary to God. Like that, I want to be a person who receives God's grace, and I want to be in a posture of, um, of receptivity to grace. And when I think about posture before God, like I see myself on my knees, head bowed, hands extended, hopeful, right? I, um, yeah. I, that's the way I would like to see myself in a posture before God. And yet that's not how we posture ourselves often before one another. And so, when Scripture sells, says, "Clothe yourselves with humility toward one another," um, I'm, I'm, I'm convicted. I'm saying, like, okay, you know, do I do things out of selfish ambition or conceit, or in humility, am I considering others as more important than myself? Obviously, drawing from <clears throat> Philippians chapter two, I'm just think. I just think there are so many places where we can actually turn in Scripture, and see this conversation about posture reflected and then ask ourselves, like what what posture? Am I all bowed up? Am I like like literally like fist clenched and tense necked and like or stiff necked as the Bible might say? Like mm. is that my posture as a Christian in these conversations? And does that look anything like Jesus? Like I just I don't think that yeah. looks like Jesus. And so um I, I thought the word posture was such a good one um for us to it's such a complex conversation, and everyone has, like, already lined up in their little uniforms on opposite sides yes. of this conversation. And so yes. when you present this question of what does it look like to have a distinctively Christian response, and then you lift up the word, like, posture and a posture of humility and consistency, I got to tell you, like, that's my, like, highlighted, checkmark, starred section um, of this conversation. And I just, I I wanted to... Uh, you know I wanted us to consider that today. I really appreciate it.
1: Yeah no I think I think you you hit the nail on the head here in terms of uh it's countercultural, right? It's it's not what the world expects and uh if if as Christians and this doesn't mean we can't be partisans and I think you would agree with this, right? We can be active in politics and be passionate and we should I think. It carries with it some important consequences. Um but if our posture and if our actions are no different from the rest of the world's in politics, uh, we should look in the mirror and say, well, we're called to be different, right? And not just in church, not just in church on Sundays, but uh, but in all that we do as Christians.
0: All right. We, um, we want an update um, from you. We want a summer, uh, summer plan update. We want a plan on the renovation project that we started talking <laughs> about uh, last fall. And we want an update on the forthcoming book. Could we get all of that next?
1: Yeah, I think we could do that.
0: (laughs) All right, Daniel Bennett is here. Um, We're going to get an update on all things Bennett. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. When Jesus teaches us to pray that God would forgive us as we forgive others, what does he mean? What does our forgiveness look like? And how ready are we to forgive? Or how fast are we to forgive? How many times do we forgive the same person for the same offense against us? Living out the life of forgiveness can only be done if we stand as forgiven people before the cross and the empty tomb of Jesus. In Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. As far as the East is from the West, so far has God removed your transgressions from you. That's grace. That's great. And God intends that we would extend to others a measure of what we have received. So how has God forgiven you? How often? How many times for the same offense? Then who are you to hold someone else's sin against them when God in Christ doesn't hold our sins against us? Unforgiven and unforgiveness are literally no way to live. So join the forgiveness flow today. Ask God to forgive you and forgive others as you have been forgiven by grace. Praying together at MyFaithRadio.com. Daniel Bennett is with us this morning. You can find him at John Brown University and his Uneasy Citizenship blog on Substack, um and that's the name of the forthcoming book as well. Hey, um Daniel, I want to share with you a couple of texts from the text line this morning. Mary says, "Posture such an important um topic to consider. The message at church yesterday was actually on pride and pride being the root of most if not all sin and pride involving Um, comparison with others in an unhealthy way. And they talked about humility as well. And then you're going to really appreciate this. Leslie is checking in. Leslie says, um, thank you for what you're doing. And then she says, I'm currently in Austria for three months. Mm. Um, It's so, uh, it's great to be able to take faith radio with me. I mean, so yeah. So there you go. Talking to, uh, talking to Leslie in Austria this morning. I don't, I don't know what language, what language would we be speaking if we were talking to Leslie in Austria? I don't
1: know. I need to. Oh. I need to look into yeah. that. Uh, German, English. <laughs> they speak Oh, German. German, French, English. <laughs> Austria is a German is that... Germanic, so yes, it's a. Thank you.
0: This is why we have okay. Paul.
1: Because <laughs> That's right.
0: Paul, Paul actually like knows real things. Okay, so um, Dan, you've been working on some things. You got uh, summer stuff going on with your kiddos. The project uh, in the back of the house, I understand, is uh, is complete. <laughs> so that's exciting. Maybe an update on this, and then give us an update on the book. You mentioned that uh, it's, um, you know, it's actually happening. It's in the works.
1: It, yeah, that's right. Um, well, let's start in the order of importance, and I think the book is the least important. But we can start with my kids. So, uh, we, we, I just traveled yesterday from, uh, the center for Christian and public life's retreat and, and it was a great, great, re- great retreat. We can talk about that later if you want, but my kids are at, uh, my two older kids are at a uh, week long camp here in Northwest Arkansas, uh, camp war Eagle, it's a Christian camp. Um, and they target kids in Northwest Arkansas, um, really great camp, lots of activities and opportunities um tailored to folks from across the the region but also the socioeconomic spectrum so you get a lot of diversity at the camp and our, our, my son did it last year and he absolutely loved it uh my daughter's doing it uh this year uh, as well um so we have some time alone with just uh just the youngest this week and uh nice. that, that's great yeah we're, we're gonna spend some time with him doing different things um I think we're gonna have a dad and Sunday tomorrow, so maybe do some top golf uh, if we can swing it over uh, <laughs> over into Rogers, Arkansas. Um, but yeah, the renovation is is uh, is coming along well. The only thing we have to do on the outside is put the fans in for the screened-in porch. Uh, and it's already, even if without the fans, it's been a great thing to be able to use. Um, okay. We have a lot of. mosquitoes you know Do you know that, you, North know North, that you, you
0: can't put up? You can't put up inside fans outside i learned that the, the, yes, the blades yeah, will like literally like droop like a sad flower
1: i i wouldn't have known that had it been not mm. for our uh the guy who's running it by the way major shout out to rick faust who is the uh who, who's one of the professors in our construction management program at jbu nice uh, so the students did a lot of the work but now he's kind of finishing things up over the summer he's fantastic That's um so fun yeah, it's been great. And then, yeah, the book, you know, that's the, and we have our, we have some other stuff to finish inside the house. But and yeah, and, and the book, we're kind of in a holding pattern right now. Uh, publishers got it, uh, waiting for feedback from them for edits, uh, for uh, suggestions. And uh, then it goes through the produ- production process. I'm just so excited. At this retreat, we were talking about, you know, certainly questions about how we approach politics for the good of the public. And I'm really, really hopeful that the the book is useful for for people, for churches, for small groups who, you know, are rightly, I think, interested in making sense of our politics and considering how to do it well. And, you know, I don't prescribe these are the four things Christians, you know, should do, um, or these are the four issues that should be most important, or, or these are the traits we should look for in candidates and only vote for them um it's it's trying to be a big bigger picture right how how can we wisely approach politics in a way that's different from the rest of the world so i'm excited hopefully it's useful to some people
0: yeah and even a conversation about words and what words we use and how we might yeah. redeem the word evangelical and what that even looks like uh in the conversations yeah. of the day today Yep. Um, so, if you're listening right now and you're saying to yourself, "What what is the connection between Christianity and public life today? What what does it look like to be a Christian in the public conversations of the day?" And if you're tempted to withdraw from um, from conversations and and actually to kind of put your light under a bushel, um, mm-hmm. those are the conversations that. That Daniel likes to have and actually wants to provoke. So you you attended um, with some other folks uh, a, a retreat related to this Christianity and public life. Um, what were some of the conversations you found yourself in? Like, what are some of the things you feel like you learned?
1: Yeah, it's great. So uh, the Center for Christianity and Public Life has a public life fellows program uh, where uh, it's a group of really diverse people uh, from from kind of across the. The spectrum, I think I said yesterday in in, in a Substack uh, post that, you know, we're pastors, uh, professors, uh, activists, community people, um, speakers, authors, kind of all over the place, different faith traditions, uh, different geographic locations. But we we all share this commitment to promoting a better politics that is for the good of, of the public. And importantly, we don't share political uh, foundations. I mean, we share foundations in the sense that we ha- we value these general commitments. But I imagine there's people in the group, we haven't talked a ton about this yet, but who voted for Joe Biden. I imagine there's people in the group who maybe in 2016 voted for Donald Trump. Um, but that's not the point of this group, right? It's about um, considering the ways in which our politics can promote a better and healthier civic uh, environment. And I think Michael okay, so Ware, who's the lead... Yeah, go yeah, ahead, please. So can
0: I ask you to pause? Because
1: yeah, there's please. people
0: listening right now who are like, how is it possible you're in a group and those things have not come up? Like, right? So that's yeah. part of the challenge that I think we all face. We are, um, we're like not even willing to go on a retreat unless we're pretty sure that ever... I mean, can, I, can you imagine like yeah. spending a whole weekend with people who voted for the other candidate? Um, like, right, so... Um, I mean, we're, we're tense about sharing a meal with family members who, so to talk about that, like, how does that not
1: come up? Well, I mean, it's, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of implicit in some sense. Right. So, you know, these are, you know, we're talking about the issues that motivate our activity and the issues that, you know, are, are personally most interesting to us, um, Mm -hmm. We can kind of gauge be like, okay, so you're you're passionate about this and this is familiar or this is more in line with this thing. But it's not something that we just straight up ask, who did you vote for in 2020? Because Mm -hmm. ultimately, that's not the point of the group. It's not the point of of what our conversations are about. Well, it's not the point
0: of our table fellowship at Thanksgiving. And yet it seems to work its way in. Right. So I think this is good. I think this is helpful for people to imagine you can have relationships with other people and shared commitments about the fate of democracy and how it's tied mm. to the character of Christians in the country mm. and not ask the question, who did you vote for? Like it, it is possible. Yeah. So and hey, not maybe we'll
1: people. Yeah, that's right.
0: Totally. Maybe we'll circle back around. I think this would be really helpful. Um, but we gotta, we gotta leave it right there today. I'm I've, I've run over the break. I'm so sorry. Okay. Daniel, have fun, <laughs> um, have fun at Top Golf, and I hope your kids have a great time at War Eagle camp and you know, all the, all the great, all the great things. Thanks, man.
1: Thanks, Carmen. Yep.
0: That's Daniel Bennett. You can find him at John Brown University or apparently today at Top Golf. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. All right. So, what might you do today to observe Juneteenth? What might that look like in your community, in your city? Um, there are things going on, uh, across the country. Maybe, um, maybe just look and find out what's going on in your own community and think about how you might, um, how you might participate. Like, does Juneteenth even matter to you as a Christian or, um, or to you as a believer in, in Jesus in America today? Um, early Americans, like the pilgrims, they set apart days of Thanksgiving to, express gratitude to God for his providential grace. Um, That's a tradition that's been formalized into our national calendar, right? Um, Actually, it was President Lincoln who officially proclaimed Thanksgiving Day. And why did he do it? I mean, did you know that, like, this is a part of post-Civil War healing? Um, Thanksgiving was added to the national calendar in 1863 by a proclamation of Abraham Lincoln. It was a day of Thanksgiving, quote, to heal the wounds of the nation that had been divided by war. Um, on December 31st, 1862, Christians gathered at Watch Night Services, um, and they started calling it Freedom's Eve. And we've talked about the origin of Juneteenth. So how might you observe it today? It's a day of, of freedom for many in our country. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith,